Welcome to the Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Michael Davis, and the first ever Monday episode, it comes on the heels of a blockbuster weekend. Two heavy tile matches headlined both Clash at the Castle and All Out. Was that the big story out of this weekend? It's Mic Drop Monday, so let's get down to it with the first event that happened this weekend, WWE's Clash at the Castle. They marketed this as the biggest UK pay-per-view in a stadium in the last 30 years since SummerSlam, I believe 92 or 93. It'd have to be 92. And it was Bret Hart and Davey Boy Smith, perhaps one of the best SummerSlam matches of all time, happened in that stadium over in Wembley. But this started out with Bailey and her crew, Damage Control, alongside Dakota Kai and EO Sky, versus Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka. Now, while this was a while this was a good match, there was a lot of mistakes. There were a lot of timing issues with the six-woman tag team match. But the biggest thing that it set up was Bailey pins the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair and wasn't the best match on the card. Wasn't wasn't the worst match I've seen, but to my, to my standards, it was definitely the least favorite match of the evening. Just because, honestly, this pay per view built this pay per view built as it went along, and I'll be honest, great, great, great placement of each match on the card by whoever did that and put it together. Maybe it was Triple H who had the final say on which match went where. But perfect placement for this one. Bailey pins Bianca Belair and presumably is the next challenger. And we're going to have to find a new challenger for Gunter because I'll be honest, I marked out when, you know, Sheamus and the Brawling Brutes, you know, that's Ridge Holland and Butch, formerly known as Pete Dunn, walked to the ring, everything. And then Imperium. Yes, Imperium returns Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Vinci making his main roster debut to be alongside Gunter. And this match reminded me of any AEW match we've watched in the last year that included Minoru Suzuki, Eddie Kingston, Tomohiro Ishii. And any combination of those guys, that match reminded me of this. It was hard-hitting. Their chest almost bled, and it was nasty. And as a wrestling fan, I love that. I absolutely loved Gunter and Sheamus just bowing out back and forth. Obviously, we didn't get the big moment of Sheamus winning the Intercontinental Championship. The one time that's eluded him in his career, he could have won it in UK territory, of course, being from Ireland. That was one thing that WWE missed out on. But even for Gunther, it was it was an impressive match. And if they can keep Imperium together, that's going to be everything. If they can keep Imperium together as a unit, then you have guys who can immediately challenge for the tag team titles because the Usos are running out of tag teams to face. I don't know how many times we'll see the Usos and the Street Profits, but you know, you get Imperium together. I'm assuming 
that eventually down the road will get Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to turn on the bloodline. And that could be a match that they challenge the Usos for the tag titles. But Imperium and Triple H knows how to use them, which makes me so happy that Imperium is on the main roster. And if you if you didn't watch this pay-per-view, by the way, I will say this was the best pay-per-view from WWE that I've seen. I want to say in the last six, seven years. Now, there, there's been some pay-per-views where I'm like, wow, that was a good show. Wow, that was a good match. Uh, wow, that was awesome. I, I really don't remember a show like this for WWE. It it genuinely reminded me of an NXT takeover. Not just with the NXT heavy talent you had. You know, obviously... All six of the women in that tag team match had spent time in the NXT. You had Imperium on the card. You had the Liv Morgan, Shane Baszler on the card. You had Finn Balor, Damian Priest on the card. You had Matt Riddle. You know, even Drew McIntyre for a time when he returned to WWE originally. But this had an NXT takeover feel with how they put together the matches in terms of the placement on the card, but also just the amount of wrestling time we got was fascinating and it really gives me hope for teams like imperium that they can find success throughout the show and speaking of success i did not have high hopes for Liv morgan shane baszler was shocked at the result was absolutely shocked by the result but amazed with the story they told Liv morgan's arm was hurt the entire match shane baszler targeting it like the monster we saw back in NXT. Commentary team referenced that several times. Shayna Baszler getting back to what she was in NXT. And eventually Liv Morgan pulls it out. And that leaves me questioning who's next for Liv Morgan. Will we eventually see Charlotte Flair come back and try to regain the SmackDown Women's Championship from Liv Morgan? Ronda Rousey's suspension is over. I don't want to see Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan right out the gate, but it could happen. So Liv Morgan, her title reign, fights to live another day. And the big story, the big story out of WWE Clash at the Castle came with the tag team match, Edge and Rey Mysterio teaming up, Edge coming out in this mass to show solidarity with the master of the 619, Rey Mysterio, versus Judgment Day, Finn Bauer and Damian Priest. It was, it was a decent match. I, I I still think Gunther and Sheamus probably outperformed them in this match. Of course, Gunther and Sheamus had nearly 20 minutes, and uh, the tag team match only had about 12, 13 minutes. But at the end of the match, and I have been calling this, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, we're, we're coming up on a year anniversary of the show. If you've been watching this podcast, you will know I've been calling this forever. I've been calling this, and it was Dominic Mysterio turning heel. And it came after the match, Edge and Mysterio won. I was like, oh, man, we're not going to get Dominic turn. And then all of a sudden, Dominic kicks Edge below the belt who's like an uncle to Dominic. He, he's like Uncle Edge, you know, nephew Dominic, everything. And then Rey Mysterio, just confused why Dominic would 
know, attack his his uncle, quote unquote, like that. And Ed sold it perfectly. I was talking to my dad earlier this afternoon about it, and he's like, Edge sold that perfectly. As soon as Dominic kicked him, Edge just looks up at Dominic like, what have you done? Why? And then Dominic lays out his father with the clothesline, and Judgment Day is set there laughing. Now, Dominic didn't align himself with Judgment Day, and that's a point we're going to talk about later on in the show. But for Dominic to turn heel, finally is such a huge talking point in the wrestling world. If he's ready to go singles, if he's going to benefit from turning on his father this early in his career, but it's been a long time coming. This has been months in the making, and they finally found reason to turn Dominic heel, turn him against his father, and we'll see how it goes. But then the co-main event of the evening, it had gotten really personal. We talked about this on Friday's podcast, the final Friday episode we're going to do as we're moving to Mondays. This episode released on Monday, September 5th. Happy Labor Day. was Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle. And th- this was a match. Like, I, it wasn't anything I expected more. It wasn't anything I expected less. It was a match. And I am so, so, so glad that Seth Rollins defeated Matt Riddle. Like, Seth Rollins needed this win. We talked about this on Friday's episode. They, he's, he's put over guys. He's put over Cody. He's put over Edge. He's put over Roman. But he hasn't had anything to sink his teeth into. They could actually win. They, they would actually win this match against Matt Riddle. And now we have something to build off of, which which is something about this pay-per-view that struck me was they they built their matches or they ended feud swiftly. I feel like Liv Morgan, Shane Baszler, that that feud ended swiftly at Saturday's event. I believe Gunther and Sheamus, that match ended, you know, that match ended that feud. And we got stuff to build off of now. We have Bailey pinned the Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. That feud is just getting started. And now you have a legitimate challenger for Bianca Belair's title. You have Dominic Mysterio turning on his father. So if Dominic actually joins Judgment Day, we're going to talk about that later on in the show. But Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle, that just gave you legs for that feud. I don't see that being the last time they compete. We have Extreme Rules coming up and with how personal this is this could be an extreme rules match it could be another stipulation that they throw together but for seth rollins to not only hit one curb stomp on matt riddle but to his second for good measure and to pin him really puts matt riddle over as a competitor and i i thought just the little nuances of detail in that really is going to help this feud but then we get to the main event we get to Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre that for 30 minutes, they still the show. Like they put everything into this basket and they did not disappoint. And we talked about it on Friday's show. This was the first time I recall during Roman Reigns's, you know, time as Universal Champion, or in this case, WWE Undisputed Universal Champion for two years 
this is the first time that I felt his reign was in jeopardy. Truly. And for Drew McIntyre to go out in front of the UK crowd in Cardiff, Wales, and there were a few moments in this, I was like, wow, we just saw Drew McIntyre win the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship from Roman Reigns. We even saw Theory fail to cash in when Tyson Fury knocked him out front row. Like, we, we saw the whole nine yards, but I don't think anyone expected, or at least myself, Solo Sokoa from NXT to finally join the bloodline and align himself with the tribal chief Roman Reigns. And that's how Drew McIntyre loses in front of his home crowd. And the place was hot. The place was hot after Roman Reigns defeated Drew McIntyre in that fashion. And nobody saw it coming. There were reports that Paul Heyman was in town. You didn't know if the Usos or Sami Zayn was going to get involved. You didn't know if Karen Cross, who was also sitting ringside, if he was going to get involved. And then Solo Sokoa comes out with the swerve, but a very logical swerve in that case because Solo Sokoa joins the bloodline. I could easily see him trying to insert himself, not into the Aaron Cottonell tile picture right now because Gunter, Gunter isn't losing that Aaron Cottonell tile to Solo Sokoa, not in a heel versus heel feud. Maybe United States title? Maybe? Maybe? But with the Bloodline basically running both shows, I can easily see Solo Sokoa trying to insert himself in the United States title picture. And now Drew McIntyre is left without saying. Now, of course, after Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa, you know, leave, if you haven't watched it, you can turn it off or... You know, the pay-per-view just gets worse because Tyson Fury comes in the ring and sings. So the way I say it is this pay-per-view was a 10. This pay-per-view was a 10 by WWE standards, but Tyson Fury sang. So that, that drives it down to a 7 if you know that trend from social media. Overall, I am very pleased with this pay-per-view. Very, very pleased with the pay-per-view. And we're going to introduce a new segment here at the end of the show to talk more about Clash at the Castle. But up next, we're going to talk about AEW's all-out pay-per-view from Sunday night. That next on Monday's Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back to Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Davis. Thank you for joining with us on the first ever Monday episode. And it was a great weekend for professional wrestling. Clash at the Castle on Saturday and then all out on Sunday evening. And if you missed this, th this, this is why I love wrestling. And if you were expecting one thing from these shows, you got it this weekend, man. Like... For WWE, you were expecting big stories. You were expecting, you know, them to put on a show for the UK crowd. You got that. If you were watching All Out, you expected professional wrestling. And I believe you got that. You got a couple swerves on the way. But the big thing, the big thing out of Sunday's All Out pay-per-view was who the Joker was 
of the Casino ladder match. I'm going to talk very, very briefly and then come back to it at the end. But the Casino ladder match opens up, you know, one entrant, you know, every two, three minutes. I forget the intervals. And everyone went out until a bunch of covered up mask guys go beat up the rest of the competitors. The Joker walks out in a mask and is handed the poker chip by Stokely Hathaway. Stokely Hathaway and the other guys reveal himself for people Stokely has given the cards to in the previous several weeks. W. Morrissey, you had the guns, Austin Colton, you had Lee Moriarty. I believe maybe there's one or two more, but but that was that was the class. And Joker teases taking off the mask, but then he's like, nah. And then you just go on to the next match, which is the trios titles match with Omega and the Bucks and Dark Order. And this match, guys, steals the absolute show. You know, you give these guys 20 minutes. You, you give these guys 20 minutes, and they just absolutely tear the house down. And I, I love the content that we've gotten from the elite in the last several years because they really tell a story. You know, last year at what was it all out when hangman Adam page defeated kenny omega for the AEW championship like that just told a three-year story but no that was that was full gear my bad that was full gear when page defeated omega to win the world title omega takes some time off and the next, the next Omega match on pay-per-view is a trios match against Hangman Page in the Dark Order, and they still manage to tell a story. Hangman accidentally hits the buckshot lariat on his own teammate of the Dark Order, and he's held back as King Omega jumps on him and pins him one, two, three. And, of course, if you're going to have inaugural AEW World Trios champions, Omega and the Young Bucks make sense. A lot of people are going to say, which I don't agree with, by the way. A lot of people are going to say, wow, they're you know just giving themselves accolades. They're doing this. They're doing that. If there's any wrestler in the world that can give themselves, quote-unquote, the championships, it's Omega and the Young Bucks. Because, yes, they are the EVPs of AEW, blah, 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 blah. They are also the top performers in their industry. I don't believe the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world right now. They have been. They're not even the best tag team in AEW. We'll talk about that here in a moment. King Omega, I would say, is when he's on, is still a top five competitor in the world, if not the best when healthy and hopefully he's gotten healthy omega and the young bucks can have something to sink their teeth into and there's continued you know hangman drama with the dark order hangman again shoots himself in the foot and the elite are trios champions now i mentioned wwe did great with their match placement that is one thing i believe that AEW lacked with all out and here's why you can't the Casino Liar match perfectly placed, no complaints whatsoever. 
but you can't have the match of that caliber with the elite hangman page and the dark order second on the card and key omega even looked into the camera and said all right guys in the back follow that up and i don't believe it really got followed up at least for the next little bit you know there wasn't like a bad match on the card um no there was there there was a bad match on the card but even like the great matches that you would have enjoyed so much more before the trios championship the tournament finals you you just couldn't because you're like i saw a better trios match you know they 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 absolutely put jade cargill and athena by the way lasted four minutes that they 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 just threw that match away and there were several matches like that thrown away i believe there's several matches that got cut on time you know because it was it was a long it was a long pay-per-view and to be honest cargill and athena probably doesn't have a place on that card especially after the elite win the real trios championships because cargill puts away athena four minutes and it's just like following those first two matches you're like really I mean, it, it just felt so out of place. And then you add Wardlow and FTR versus Jay Lethal and the Mercy Machine Guns. FTR being the best tag team in the world right now, holding the ROH tag titles, the IWGP tag team titles, the AAA tag team titles. They are the best tag team in the world. And I thought blows were about to come between Dax Harwood and Sanjay Dutt when Sanjay Dutt came out with a shirt saying, fight like an eight-year-old brat. I thought Dax Harwood was going to come out and lay him out, which he eventually did at the end of the match. And that match could still the show on any dynamite, any rim, any impact, anywhere, anywhere, but just didn't feel like it had the same feel after watching the elite do it. Hangman page, dark order and no disrespect. Cause th- this was a good match. It, it just kind of suffered from the wrong placement. And then you follow that up with Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Again, another match that just fell for wrong placement. Like you just lost maybe 25, 30, 35 minutes of matches that could have been better received by the crowd and the viewer at home if they don't follow the elite and the Young Bucks winning the World Trios Championships. And Powerhouse Hobbs going over Ricky Stark shocked me. There were two people I said needed to win this Sunday. It was Starks, and it was Jungle Boy. But before we get into Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage, which I have thoughts on, you had Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed. This, this is what people are talking about. The, the Acclaimed have officially arrived in AEW. Mid-match, we're, this match lasted about 22, 23 minutes. And we're about seven, eight minutes in. And the Chicago crowd is fully behind the Acclaimed. So much so that Keith Lee is beloved by the fan base. Swerve Strickland, beloved by the fan base. And they're getting booed out of the building for the acclaimed like i don't even know if this is pg but scissoring the scissor handshake has taken 
over in AEW, and it's gotten over. It's gotten over just as much as DX's crotch chop. It, it, it's gotten over with the fans, and they were fully behind the acclaimed. It was fascinating to see the acclaimed, who's supposed to be a heel tag team, swerving our glory, who's supposed to be the fan favorite. I mean, fan favorite, too. This isn't just a meh tag team that people are behind. But the reason Keith Lee was as big as he was, was the fans getting behind him in NXT and getting behind him trying to on the main roster. And then when he shows up in AEW this past year, fans are just going berserk because they're basking in his glory. He's limitless. But the acclaimed have just grown incredibly I, I was shocked. This was a great match. I feel like this is where they they finally got out of the elite shadow that was placed on the card earlier in the show. There was a shadow for the three matches that followed, and the acclaimed and Swerving Our Glory put on a great match. Swerving Our Glory, credit to them, realizing that they were the heels in this instance, and they played that part up. Again, about seven, eight minutes into the match, there was the turning point, and the acclaimed were hot, and they lost. They lost in a great, valiant effort. But truly, you can say on September 4th, 2022, the acclaimed had arrived. Following that up with Tony Storm winning the Aram AW Women's World title, not a bad match, I believe it put. Dr. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayer. It caused some tension in between those in a couple moments in the match. And we're eventually going to get Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa, which is nice. And then we have Christian Cage and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And Christian Cage continues trying to be the heel that we so miss with MJF. And... Luchasaurus comes out, absolutely destroys Jack Perry, choke slams him onto steel, you know, takes him out, everything, and then bell rings, Christian hits a spear, Jack Perry kicks out, Christian hits the unprettier, the impeller, and then he's done in 20 seconds. And I said it last Friday that the two people who needed to win were Ricky Starks and Jack Perry. I don't think this feud's over. It shouldn't be, but come on. Like, this is going to evolve into a Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus feud, which I'm totally okay with. But Jungle Boy really needed this win, and I'm upset that we didn't get it. Jericho versus Danielson, that that took 23 minutes. It was the longest match on the card, believe it or not. Now, looking back after last night's pay-per-view, Jericho and Danielson being the longest match on the card, that, that's not what I would have expected, but I'm okay with it. You know, Jericho pulling out all the stops and eventually beating Brian Danielson by cheating. <laughs> to note, by Danny Garcia, Jericho cheats and hits the Judas effect on Brian Danielson and wins. I'm shocked Jericho went over in this match. I'm not upset with it. I'm I'm not I'm not for it. I'm not opposed to it. I, I Really feel like Danielson could have won this match, but it looks like tension continues to build 
with Dane Garcia and Chris Jericho. Jericho saying that Jericho Appreciation Society will not have Dane Garcia's back in his upcoming ROH Pure Championship match against Willer Yuta. And it it seems to continue to be unraveling. And when we talk about matches that didn't seem to have a place on the card, Jade Cargill and Athena. And I would even put I'd even put that six-man tag match with Wardlow and FTR, Lethal and Machine Guns. But this match, if anything needed to be on the kickoff and on the zero hour, my apologies, was Darby, Sting, and Miro. They defeated the House of Black, Malachi, Brody, and Buddy. Again, just suffers from match placement. It was pretty much the you know match in between Jericho Danielson and Punk Moxley. Like your co-main events. And it felt like you didn't have anything for the House of Black after they lost in the trios tournament. You didn't have anything for Darby a year after facing CM Punk in his return. You didn't have anything for Miro, so you just threw them together in a trios tag match. Darby Sting Miro win, but with the rumors that Malachi Black is leaving, it seems like his swan song as he took a bow unaired on TV to the crowd. But we'll see where that ends. And then Puck Moxley. We're Punk Moxley, and this is the reason we can run a little over on this segment, was Punk and Moxley in a Chicago bloodbath. Absolutely tear the house down. Almost didn't happen. CM Punk almost took Moxley out, and just as quickly as he lost to Moxley on Dynamite a couple weeks ago, and I, I looked it down, I'm like, wow, we almost got cheated not once but twice. But they go nearly 20 minutes, and... Punk busted open, bleeding, gushing, Moxley licking the blood, and it was nasty. But CM Punk hits not one, but two GTSs to take John Moxley out and win the title in his hometown of Chicago, Illinois. And I'm shocked. I expected this to be, at, like, at worst, a 90-10, like, a very hostile territory for John Moxley. 90-10 favor at best. But honestly, it sounded like the fans were like 60-40. Still, still rooting for Punk. Punk chance drowned out the Moxley. But Moxley was an ambush coming through the crowd. Moxley tried to play the hill. Didn't exactly work. And what shocked me was the Joker reveals himself and gets cheered in Chicago. And it's none other than MJF. MJF being the Joker and winning the next title opportunity versus CM Punk. And that's how we close all out. And that's how we close this segment. Because when we come back, we're going to talk about the Rose, Thorn, and Bud of each pay-per-view and each company. As well as what's going to happen this week on wrestling programming. That next on Monday's Drop the Mic. Welcome back to the Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Michael Davis, and thank you for joining us on this very special Monday episode. It's our Monday debut for Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. If you missed my episode on Friday, I explained that I have a new radio show talking sports, talking wrestling, talking football, basketball, 
on Tobacco Road Sports Radio and TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. That is Out of Pocket with Michael Davis, and that airs on Fridays. So we had to give you some content through the rest of the week. So we're going to start weeks off with Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast on Mondays. And as we close on what was an awesome weekend, I'm going to introduce a new segment to the show called Rose, Thorn, and Bud. And some people in my other line of profession, the camp world, knows exactly what that is. But the Rose is going to be the best part, okay? The best part of the event, the Thorn, obviously, going to be the worst part. And then the Bud is what we're looking forward to happening next. And that's where we get to Clash at the Castle. My Rose, it... As much as I marked out for Imperium, it was Dominic's turn. I I loved Dominic turning. I've been looking forward to this for this is Dominic turn on his father was what I've been looking forward to for months now. Months. And it finally happened. And it was a great moment. Really good selling by Edge and Mysterio. And then my thorn was in UK territory, on UK soil, Sheamus nor Drew McIntyre got their moment of winning a championship. What Several times I thought it was happening. I said last Friday on the show, like if anyone can beat Gunter, it's going to be Sheamus. And if anyone beats Roman Reigns in the next year, it's going to be Drew McIntyre. And there were times in both matches I believed it was happening, and it didn't happen. And... Now it just just goes to show you we have we have like 250 more days of Roman Reigns minimum. He's not going to lose the title at WrestleMania to The Rock if that dream match happens. He'll go over on The Rock as one of the greatest superstars of all time and the best of the bloodline. That that's where that's headed. Okay, that and it was clear. It was clear. We asked the question: Would Triple H be committed to the plan of Roman Reigns that Vince McMahon set forth? And it turns out he did. Even though there's reports that Roman Reigns won't defend his title at Extreme Rules, you hope that Roman Reigns is going to be there for Survivor Series, potentially against Karrion Cross. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, we're not sure who Roman's next challenger will be. But what I am looking forward to is tonight on Monday Night Raw, does the turn continue? Will Dominic Mysterio join the Judgment Day and add salt to the wound? Now, this is why I say this. I've been wanting Dominic to turn for months on his father. It's It's been a long time coming. But I don't quite think that Dominic Mysterio is ready for 100% of a singles run. And it's there. Dominic Mysterio, the story being that Judgment Day gets in his head, hey, you're worth more than this, than to just be on the sideline as Ray picks another partner instead of you. Come to Judgment Day and we'll value you. Come to Judgment Day and we'll make you a star that your father's prevented you from being. The story's there. I just think it needs to be clarified and solidified that Dominic Mysterio joins Judgment Day on Monday Night Raw tonight. That has to be the move. It's going to be one of the most sought-after Raw moments in quite some time that Dominic 
officially joins Judgment Day. And for all outs, Rose, Thorn, and Bud, the Rose is easily MJF. Now, there were great matches. The Trios Championship, the Tag Team Championship, Jericho Danielson was a solid match. Punk and Moxley tore the house down at the end as expected. But the, the, the Rose was MJF. Because now we we know it was just a ruse. And we didn't know exactly. The timing was peculiar. And talking about this on the podcast, it blurred the line so well between kayfabe and shoot. It, it was just, it was incredible work that AEW did. MJF rumors of actually wanting to let be let go of his contract, wanting to join WWE, not wanting to sign an extension. MJF cuts the promo, I don't want to be here anymore, and then he vanishes. Just as CM Punk gets hurt, and we don't get the summer of Punk, MJF is MIA, and we talked about this last Friday on the podcast. Like Those were two bummers for AEW and for professional wrestling. Those were two things we missed out on was MJF and CM Punk. CM Punk returns, loses a quick unification match, but ends up winning in Chicago only for MJF to show up. And that was the question. Would MJF show up? There was no, like, yes, he would. There was no, no, he wouldn't. There was, like, hush-hush, very hush-hush about what would happen. And I'll be honest, Dad... Watching the pay-per-view with Dad all out from AEW, he he was like, that's MJF, the Joker. I was like, Dad, he might be a little too tall. to He, he might be a little too big for MJF. They just don't have the same build. And for it to be MJF, for that to be Maxwell Jacob Friedman under that mask and get handed, literally be handed world title opportunity against CM Punk, rejuvenating the best feud in professional wrestling in the last you can call it 10 20 30 years mjf and cm punk like cm punk debuted just a year ago and cm punk mjf is the best rivalry in quite some time and we get that yet again and my my thorn my thorn is young guys suffered with this pay-per-view with all the talk about backstage drama and everything. If you look at who won, okay, or more importantly, who lost, you had Ricky Starks, who needed a win, who lost. You had Jungle Boy Jack Perry, who got destroyed in 20 seconds. You had the House of Black, who lost. And you even had Darby and Miro not really had something to sink their teeth into. It was just a match thrown together. I mean... You have guys like Will or Yuta, Ray Phoenix, Roosh, Andrade, who didn't win the casino ladder match. Of course, not complaining because of what would happen with MJF later on in the show. But there, there's just a lot the acclaimed losing to ex WWE guys. And, th- and that's been the complaint. Like, would AEW turn into WCW? I don't think it's there yet. I think that's a little over dramatic especially knowing how the MJF thing played out, you're just going to have a really hard time figuring out what's for real and what's for not. Like there's a report that there was a backstage 
like scuffle between CM Punk and the Young Bucks during the media scrum. Like, I don't know if that's staged or real or whatever. Like, they're, they're just blurring the lines so well. And that is what WCW did with NWO. They're blurring the line so well between kayfabe and shoot. Like, you just don't know anymore. And unfortunately, if the reports are true that there's disgruntled talent backstage, I think the young guy suffered. I think you could may have star out of Ricky Starks. The acclaim may have star out of themselves, even in a loss. But you could may have star out of Jack Perry. And there's just guys like Jack Perry, Ricky Starks, Darby Allen, who have been with the company through thick and thin, and they're kind of getting pushed down the card right now in favor of other guys. But we'll see how that continues to go. And my bud, is Wednesday on Dynamite. You get to, like, they haven't announced it, so I'm not going to say that. But I would assume that you get MJF with a live microphone in his hands, backed up by his new group with Stokely Hathaway, and the guys he's hand cards to, Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty, Colton Gunn, Austin Gunn, W. Morrissey. If MJF has a live microphone in his hand for the first time in three months, you, you can't announce nothing else for the show. And I will sit through an hour and 55 minutes of absolutely whatever just to hear MJF talk for five minutes with a live microphone. And... For for W like I'm I can't say who won the pay-per-view weekend. I can't say that Clash at the Castle won. They put on a great show. I can't say that AW won. They put on a great show. And I just want people to understand it's okay to like both. It's okay to admit, yeah, WWE had a great event. AEW had a great event, you know. My my buddy Jason Tech texted me midnight last night. He said, extremely predictable, but extremely satisfying. And that's what we want as wrestling fans. And he made that comment about AEW's all out that it was predictable that CM Punk would retain. Like it, it was a lot of the results were predictable, aside from a few, in my opinion. But we enjoyed it. We were extremely satisfied. And that's why I think you can get from this weekend but looking forward to this week you know will dominic join judgment day uh who's going to step up as new challengers where's this drew mcintyre and carrying cross situation going mjf and this live microphone in his hands and of all things we didn't get a debut at clash at the castle we got a call up for solo sokoa what's the future with him and the bloodline but We've heard rumors about Braun Strowman return to WWE. There's a lot of dirt sheets reporting that he is 100% making his return to WWE tonight at 8. This is why we wanted to release this episode before Monday Night Raw, and we'll be doing so each and every week because you you don't want to miss out on Braun Strowman return to WWE and potentially having a little more control over his own narrative, leaving EC3 high and dry in the dust as he returns to WWE. Braun Strowman could return. I'd love to see Bray Wyatt return. Who knows if Bray will return to wrestling anytime soon, but if there's any chance that he does, 
and there's any chance that Braun Strowman returns tonight to Monday Night Raw, this is a really great time to be a wrestling fan. And I just wanted to remind you that we're going to be opening up a YouTube channel very, very, very soon. And you're going to be able to watch these podcasts on YouTube just as well as Spotify. But until then, enjoy your wrestling week. And we will see you a week from today on a Monday for Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. We'll